Kyle Larson, big push. Does it go to the outside? He's gonna have to. Here he goes. And he's in the wall. Opens the door up for the water rock Chesney. And on the outside, Kyle Larson added. Oh my gosh. How about you? <laughs> Ross Chastain. Ross is the boss of Talladega. Ross just kept it straight. Everyone else went everywhere. Hello and welcome back to the Full Tank with Phil podcast, the first ever podcast about gambling on NASCAR. And we've got a good episode lined up for you here with Dover being the main focus. But first, we will take a look back, recapping the Sunday afternoon that was for me and that Talladega race. It was um, yep, like oil and vinegar, I guess you could say. And then after we recap what happened there at Talladega, how our bets did, we will then move on to Dover, a little closer to home for me, and we'll talk about track stats, the strategy this weekend, and we'll get to picking some winners. We've got three guys we're calling out this week that we like with some good value, finishing position bets, including a new segment in that area, and we will wrap up the picks with some head-to-head matchups, trying to bounce back this week there as well. And then at the very end, we'll do a Phil's Fired Up Pretty excited about it. Uh, mentioned this a few weeks back. I'm going to start slowly dropping these in whenever we don't have guests and kind of a sports book review, I guess you can say. And we're going to start at the bottom. So we will start with FanDuel and the things that I like and mostly don't like about that sports book. So that's how we'll wrap it up there and uh, call it a day. So with that, let's take a look at Talladega last Sunday. For me, it was a horrible day. I don't know if you follow me on Twitter. uh, You didn't see anything from me until Monday morning. And that is because I had a serious issue. It was just like, you know, Phil and the no good, very bad day, whatever that book was when you're growing up. Uh, Just a bad, bad day all around. Uh, Saturday night started having some problems with my iPhone. Uh, it's called a ghost touch, and it makes it seem like the, the screen is already being touched, so you really are rendered helpless and cannot use your phone whatsoever. So every now and then I'd be able to do some stuff. I was able to fire off some bets early morning on Sunday, was able to drop a couple things on Instagram, but that was about it. It like took so much effort to be able to do that. Uh, had multiple commitments throughout the day on Sunday, and then on top of that, had to take my phone to the Apple store and get told that I had a brand new phone that I needed to buy. So that really sucked, uh, just coming out of nowhere, having to drop all that money. So I thought, well, you know, maybe I'll hit it big and basically pay for this new phone. Uh, didn't really happen that way. And the, the thing that really sucked was all of this stuff with family stuff and then this phone issue at the Apple store. And then I had a banquet I needed to go to at the end of the day towards uh, dinner time. I didn't get to see an ounce of this race, like not even a single lap. And once I got my new phone, started hooking up the the data transfer and everything, and that made it so that I didn't have a cell phone for basically like five hours. Uh, so I went to the banquet not knowing what was happening with the race. And after a good amount of time went by, it was maybe like 8.30, I talked to the guy next to me like, hey, you know, can I, can you look up the NASCAR race? And he was like, what? <laughs> he tried searching his app. He didn't have it. Finally, he pulled it up and I saw that Ross Chastain was the winner. And I was just like, oh man, 
Like, I, I did not have him winning the race. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if you had Ross Chastain, money line, good for you. We'll, we'll talk about who did in just a second. Uh, but going back to look at the extended highlights, I had Eric Jones in a bunch of different ways, including, you know, I called him out for his top 10, but I also had him to win the race. And I'm just sick looking back at it. Like knowing what happens when you're watching those final laps go down, is just like gut-wrenching for Eric Jones. I feel horrible for him, but more horrible for myself, selfishly, because that would have been a really big ticket. But you got to hand it to Ross Chastain. He was able to grab the opportunity that was handed to him. He kept it clean. That's what you need to do in those situations. And if you do that at Talladega and Daytona, good things will happen to you. So um, props to that team. That Trackhouse team is really coming together here, um, picking up some momentum, you know, a road course and a super speedway. And we need to see it a little bit more consistently throughout the series. But, hey, two wins in a season where most people probably didn't have them winning, that's impressive. Um, that end of that race, I felt like I had a lot of guys that were in good shape and then just completely fell apart. So looking at the bets that um, hit and missed here, we had a Harvick top 10, called him out to win the race, called him out uh, for a top 10 as well. We did mention Eric Jones for plus 225. That hit, thank goodness. Uh, but that was really where it ended there. We just missed on Almarola finishing the top 10. And Kurt Busch, I mean, we had him across. So this was the other thing about being at that banquet I was at, uh, where I was having my buddy show me the list. It said K. Bush finishes third or fourth or something like that. And I just naturally assumed it was Kurt. And I had that plus 400. I was like, yes, like at least I hit that, right? Come to find out it was Kyle Busch. And it was like when I watched the extended highlights, I saw Kurt. And then it like didn't click with me that I missed that bet until like I logged in and I was like, wait, what's happening here? Um, so I was like, oh my gosh, that was Kyle that, that finished third. Like, why wouldn't they make it ky.bush on that uh, website? But hey, beggars can't be choosers. You know, I was asking my buddy to look up the, the results and that's what I got. So mistaken uh, Kurt for Kyle was just another kick in the teeth there. Um for the top Toyota bet, the the Kurt Busch plus 400. Um, not a great day in that sense, you know, missing, had a bunch of guys money line for, for very small amounts and uh, missed on all of them. I didn't have anything on Ross, which was tough to take. And, and then a couple of our guys got wiped out at the end there for top tens, which wasn't great. Now, the one thing that did hit was we had Speedway Steve 2 on last week, Phil and Steve, and we did a full tank face off. So we won that. All right, the two and one there. They had Ross Chastain beating Chris Busher, my boy. Chris Busher did not perform well, uh, got wiped out pretty early in that race, did not make it a uh, factor at all. So, seeing that brings up a good question. You know, my other two picks hit, but they chose the winner in the one head to head that they won. So, I'm going to take the victory, you know. Phil and Steve, if you're listening to this, I'll take the victory. I'll be gracious about it. But I do want to throw that out there. Like, I feel like that has to be a little twist for future full tank uh, face-offs, where if you choose the winner in one of the face-offs, you maybe get an extra point. Maybe it should be a draw. I don't know. I'm a guy who likes to stick by the rules. So maybe in the future, <laughs> that'll be a rule. But right now, I'll have to take the victory. So uh, props to them, though. They were on... Uh, Ross Chastain for a number of different plays, including that head-to-head -head and, and to win the race. So 
Great stuff there by them. It's kind of a, a, a win-win situation. I won the, the face-off. They hit the money line. Great stuff. Very happy to have them on and, and see them do well there. So all in all, not great. It could have been a lot better, you know, which is a lot of the case when you go to the super speedways. You feel like unless you're hitting the winner and um, getting that big ticket there, a lot of the other bets kind of fall apart at the end, which, you know, we, we had to know that was going to happen heading in. It was just the way it went down. And the Sunday that I had was just like so frustrating all around. I'm ready to move on. That is a fact. So let's take it to a completely different racetrack because we're going from a, a racetrack where absolutely anything can happen, super exciting stuff to Dover, which in the past has not been very great racing. They actually lost a race recently. Like they had two races a year in the, the spring and playoff races. And they had it reduced down to one. So that is uh, something to look at here because I think what we saw early in this season, this 2022 season, is that people were starting to think that maybe it wasn't the racetrack that was the problem. It was the race car. So this next-gen car is going to be interesting to watch at this track. I think there's a lot of people, myself included, who are holding out hope that this new package, this new next-gen car, is going to bring Dover a little bit more life. It's going to bring it some more action, make it fun again, because it technically is a short track. It's a mile track, and it's got some high banking. There's not much to compare it to, uh, because, you know, I guess you could say Bristol, but this season, we had dirt on Bristol, so you can't really pull too much from that race and compare it there. You can maybe look at the other short tracks, and just say, you know, the other shorter tracks, these are how guys did. But, you know, flatter tracks compared to this, I, I don't know. It's not really worth your time to look too far into that. So let's look at the track stats for Dover. 103 races in the Cup Series lifetime for this track. The winner has started on the pole 13 times. The last time it happened, though, was Jimmy Johnson in 2010, which is a long time ago because... Remember, two races per year. So that's like over 20 races now we've had someone uh, win from the pole. Now, something that should be mentioned is that five of the last 10 winners have started second. So that's something, you know, we can bet on qualifying now. Well, maybe we want to look closer to who's finishing second in qualifying and throwing some money on them just blindly. Uh, we'll have to see who that is this weekend on Saturday morning, but... Winners starting within the top five, it's 56% of the time, and top 10, 76% of the time. Pretty standard, right? Just over 50%, just over three-fourths. Uh, it's what you typically see at a normal NASCAR Cup Series track. Starting outside the top 20. It's only happened five times. Last time it happened was Tony Stewart. Yeah, he's been retired for quite some time. I think he's in the Hall of Fame already. Uh, 2013 was the last time that happened, so is something that you want to watch for. You know, if, if you're throwing money down on some of these guys, like I'm going to be doing, and they go out and they qualify poorly, you're going to have to adjust. I did that last week with uh, a couple of the guys that I threw out there. Kozlowski, I believe it was, did not qualify the way I wanted him to, so I had to adjust. Now, looking at manufacturer trends, Ford is kind of the outlier here, but uh, in the last 10 races, they only have two wins. They only have two wins, like, going back a lot further than just 10 races. So um, they are someone that I guess most people would be avoiding this week. Now, 
Chevy and Toyota within the last 10 races each have four wins. And the interesting stat that I noted here, I'm a big patterns guy, going back to the spring race in 2015, four times this has happened. Every time Chevy has won a race, Toyota has backed it up. So Chevy is the most recent winner here. So I guess if that pattern were continued for a fifth time, Toyota would be in victory lane this weekend at Dover. So just a little interesting stat. I like finding those little patterns and like taking note to see if they continue. Um, so Larson is going off right now. The sports books came out Monday night. He's your favorite. You can get him at plus 450 on most sports books. I think I saw him plus 500 on Barstool uh, or maybe it was MGM. But he is your odds-on favorite by a, a big margin. It goes all the way back down. It opened. Uh, the next best guy was plus 800. Now I believe it's we're looking at 900. So I am not going to call out Larson as someone to win the race, but I am going to be playing Kyle Larson in various different ways. Look at the head-to-heads situation. The only head-to-head we have right now with Kyle Larson is minus 175 in the featured matchups. He's going against Ross Chastain. That is a joke, okay? That is an absolute joke. I know Ross has a lot of like newer fans. He's, he's getting a lot of momentum behind him, um, a lot of goodwill. This He has no business being in this matchup, like at all. I don't know why this is a thing that they put out there, but Kyle Larson minus 175 is a lock. You can take that to the bank, but I wouldn't. I would parlay that with something a little bit more. Look to Xfinity Series. Ty Gibbs is minus 140 in his matchup against John Hunter Nemechek. I would throw them together, get a little parlay, or just throw that minus 175 head-to-head into a a, a multi-sport parlay, however you want to get it. Um, throw something down with him in that head-to-head matchup versus Ross because that will hit. Now, Kyle is plus 130 on DraftKings. You could probably get him better on Barstool uh, for a top three. He's got three straight top three finishes. So plus 130, uh, maybe a little bit better than that. Hey, I like that. So it's not that I'm avoiding Kyle this week. I'm just trying to find different ways to play him. I'm not calling him out as a, a winner on the podcast because I want to look at some guys with some better value and some reasons why they stand out to me. So Kyle Larson going off as your favorite, that's a strategy, playing him in a bunch of different ways and, and trying to make money off him. Because plus 450, it just really isn't enough for me this week because especially when you consider the favorite hasn't won, I think all the way back to California, uh, it, it really makes you a little skittish to just go and do that willy-nilly. So I'm going to call out three guys that I like to win the race here, and you'll find that I kind of have a bit of a trend. So we're going to start with the second favorite, as far as the odds are concerned, plus 900, Chase Elliott. This is great value for Chase. He started at plus 800, dropped down to 900. I'm snagging it here because this is a Hendrick Motorsports car, and they do well at this racetrack. So don't let yourself get sucked in to believing that Chase is not worth your time. I was listening to one of the talking heads on NASCAR radio this week. Uh, Call me a loser, you know, listening to those guys. I love some of those guys. Larry Max on uh, during the daytime with Daniel Trotta. That's a show that I absolutely love. Dave Moody's a bit of a blowhard, and it might have been on his show where they were talking about Chase and the fact that he's had a some bad finishes. His average finish is down in the last, like, four races or so. He ha- it, that's a fact, right? It's true. Uh, 
2019 and 2020, he ended his race. He had a race in each one of those years where he ended his race before lap 10. That is bad. You know, two really bad finishes, 38th and 39th. No get around that. But this person was trying on the radio, was trying to make the case like that's a reason to avoid Chase this year or this time at Dover. I don't think so. His stats at Dover are just breathtaking. I mean, they are really, really good. In his last nine races, so I'm going to be calling out nine races. Sometimes I'll call out the last 10 in, in certain situations. I'll make sure I mention it. But the stat site that I'm using is going back nine races at Dover. So in that time span, one win, six top fives, six top tens. Basically, if he's in the race and he's competing, he's going to be finishing in a top five position. He can finish there or you can get him at minus 110 to finish in the top five on DraftKings. That means you can get him for plus money on Barstool for sure. So give that a look uh, because six of nine top 10, excuse me, top five finishes, that's really damn good. His average finish, like I said, is kind of down uh, seventh on the circuit, 12.2 because of those two outlier races there, 38th and 39th. He's better than that, though. His driver rating, 92.3. That's eighth in NASCAR. Some really good value here. I think that because he had those struggles more recently, we're seeing him at this value here for the gamblers to take advantage of. Four of his last 10 races, he's finished in the top three. 40 percent of the time. That's plus 250 for a top three finish if you want to take that as well. I love all of that right now with Chase Elliott. I think he has been flying below the radar. He's someone that he's leading the points, right? But if you listen to the normal NASCAR fan or NASCAR talking head, they're going to make it seem like he's struggling. Not the case. I mean, he's your points leader for a reason. Green flag speed this year. He's seventh out of everyone, but I mentioned earlier, you know, there's not really a track to compare this to. So I'm going to say, like, just looking at the short tracks, Phoenix, Martinsville, Richmond, I know that they are not direct comparisons to Dover. I'm aware of that. But short tracks, in air quotes, uh, he's been his fastest at the short tracks this season. First at Phoenix, third at both Martinsville and Richmond. So he has the ability to be fast. And, you know, if he can put a, a race together here, this is a really good value, plus 900 to win the race. And then some of those other bets that we mentioned sprinkle in there as well. I really like Chase this week. I'm expecting big things of him at Dover. The next guy that I'm going to mention here is my value pick. This is more of a shot in the dark than anything. I mentioned that Toyota trend. Toyota, for the last four times, a Chevy has won. They followed it up with a win of their own. So I was trying to see who in the Toyota camp I liked to kind of fit the bill here. And I was really between two guys, Denny Hamlin and Martin Truex Jr. And I'm going to land on Martin Truex Jr. plus 1,200. All right, we've been saying he's not producing. He's having a little bit of a struggle this year, but he's eighth in points. And he's got more top five finishes than our points leader, Chase Elliott. So it's not all that bad. Now, the thing is, I've been calling Truex out recently uh, I'd say I've called him out about four times this year to win the race on the podcast. And he's just been letting me down. When I've done that, he just hasn't performed. He hasn't even really made it a race. Now, I think that has the potential of turning around. This is a guy that you definitely want to watch for qualifying. Like, if he's off in qualifying, you got to pivot. You got to either cash your ticket in if they let you do that or 
um, just bet on somebody else to kind of make up for it because, you know, his qualifying performance this year has kind of dictated or practice in qualifying has dictated how his race is going to go. There hasn't really been a surprise there in the race day. But I have high hopes this week at Dover because this is his best racetrack, arguably. Now, there was a meme out there for a long time on Reddit, like every track is Martin Truex Jr.'s home track, because the announcers would always say something around that. He's from South Jersey. This is my neck of the woods. I'm from the Philadelphia area. So uh, Truex, you know, he's a Flyers fan. We've seen him at games, Phillies fan, etc. His last nine races at Dover, one win, seven top fives, seven top tens. Similar to Chase Elliott, if he's in the race at the end, he's going to finish in that top five. And out of everyone in NASCAR, he's got the most top fives in those last nine races. His average finish is second, 5.8. Driver rating is third, 114.2. If you extend that out from the last nine races to the last 10 races, he's got two wins and eight top fives. Last year, he finished 19th. So, you know, something off there last year. But right before that, he had four straight top two finishes. He's plus 125 to finish top five. I love that. So nine top five finishes in his career at Dover, 31 races total, and eight of them have been in the last 10 races. That means he has figured out this racetrack and is dominating. So the catch here, the reason we're getting so much value from calling out all the good things, we got to call out the negative things. And that's because he hasn't necessarily grasped this new car yet. So I am a full believer in these veterans being the best drivers in the world. Eventually, the shoe is going to drop and the flip is going to switch and they're going to be able to get a win and, and get back to their normal selves. So to me, this is a racetrack that I think the 19 car has had in their sights for a while as a place for Truex to kind of get back some home cooking and get a victory here. So plus 1,200, if he does that, I better be on that ride with them. So mark me down for that 19 car as my Toyota tribute here for the picks to win the race. The last guy I'm going to call out to win is another Hendrick guy, and it's William Byron plus 900. Another really good value here. Because Larson is so heavily favored, we're getting good value for some of these guys. I like Hendrick, and, you know, he's having a great year by himself. He's third in points. He's got the first driver rating in NASCAR, first in average laps led, first in average fastest laps. I mean, he is just absolutely performing out of his mind. He is having, he's on the cusp of that breakout year. Now in his last nine races at Dover, he's only had seven of them during that time span that we're comparing to everybody else. Two top fives, three top tens, five top 15s. His average finish is eighth, which is 12.9. Driver rating is 10th. So had some growing pains to start, which is going to skew those numbers a little bit, but back to back fourth place finishes. I mean, you look at those races, both of them, he had stage points across the board. Four stage points. He stayed consistent. So that's what you want to see. Those fourth place finishes, he started in the back a little bit, drove to the front, got stage points, and then stayed up there. So both stages in the top 10 and then finished fourth. Gotta love that. Driver rating over 110 in both of those races. So 
Like I said, he's having a breakout year. This, to me, seems like a racetrack that he would be able to jump up and snag a victory on uh, because of that momentum. So if you're not totally sold on that, plus 100 for a top five finish, I think is decent value here for William Byron, unless something happens, right? If there's a wreck or a mechanical issue, Hendrick, I feel like I do have like a taste in my mouth that Hendrick does have at least like one malfunction with their race cars at Dover for one of their guys. Uh, if something like that happens, you know, okay, act of God, whatever. But if they are in the race, I would say that William Byron has a damn good chance in stage three, if he's still in it, to bring it home. And so plus 900, I want all of that action. So big value here for the gambler across the board here. My picks, I'm calling out on the pod. Chase Elliott, plus 900. Martin Truex Jr., plus 1,200. And William Byron, plus 900. Remember, watch qualifying, read, react, and adjust if necessary. But these are the guys that I like heading into Dover. Buggity, buggity, buggity. Let's go racing, boys! So next up, we are going to get to the finishing position bets here. And at the end of this, we've got our first sponsored segment in a long time. So we are going to rip through some top tens here in just a bit, but I don't want to overlook the things that I just mentioned throughout the picks to win the race. Chase Elliott, top three, plus 250. That's something that I'm going to sprinkle a little bit of money down on. In addition to winning the race, I, I like him in that scenario. I mentioned Kyle Larson for a top three finish, plus 130. I like that as well. And Truex, plus 164 on Barstool for a top five. Don't overlook those. I'm not going to get into any more detail around there because I kind of mentioned all of those guys, even Larson, um, quite a bit here already. But those are bets that are definitely worth keeping in mind as the weekend gets closer. Now, I have two top 10 picks that I'm going to call out here and then a, a, a pick that I'm going to tell you a little bit more about at the uh, end of this one. So I'll start with... Daniel Suarez for a top 10, plus 145 on Barstool. Remember, all the the finishing position bets, for the most part, you're going to want to look at Barstool if you have it, Um, plus 145. Both of these guys that I'm calling out, though, as uh, top 10 finishers, you're still getting good value on DraftKings and, and most of the other sports books. Plus 145 for Suarez, five top 10 finishes for him in nine races. He had four straight when he was driving the JGR 19 car. It seems like a little while ago that was the case, but there's got to be something to be said about drivers who are able to wheel the car in decent equipment and get good finishes at specific racetracks. So Dover, for whatever reason, definitely struck Daniel Suarez when he had a good ride as pretty good. He finished 11th, just outside of the top 10, what we're looking for here in his first race with Stuart Haas Racing, driving the 41 car. So then he had a little bit of a hiatus driving the 96. But last year, first race with Trackhouse, ninth place finish in the 99 car. So now you could argue, especially with all the success that we've been seeing overall, I mean, Trackhouse had a really good year last year, enough to be able to capture a second charter. So you could argue that Trackhouse is, quote unquote, good equipment. So what we've seen is Daniel Suarez in good equipment, in air quotes, he could get a decent finish at Dover. The other thing that we've seen about Suarez at this racetrack is 
He started 24th last year. Like He has shown the ability to drive through the field and get good finishes from poor starting positions. So that's been the case throughout his career. Um, you know, driving the 96 car, like I said, a bit of a hiatus. But, you know, if you can do that at a short track, mile-long track, that's pretty impressive. So he has the ability. He's got the skill. He's got the knowledge of this racetrack clearly running through him. So I think everything is set up for him to have a good finish this weekend. Now, you combine that with the fact that Ross Chastain once again has won before Suarez got his first ever victory with Trackhouse. You know, that's got to grind your gears a little bit. So I would hope that his competitive juices are flowing. He's saying to himself, like, you know, Ross is getting all this attention for this organization. I'm supposed to be the guy. I think we kind of talked a little bit about this right after Coda uh, and Ross winning his first race. You got to think that Suarez is a little hungry now, even more hungry than before. So I think that he sees himself in a good position at the end of this race, and I think he's got a really good shot to do it. So plus 145, get that if you can for a top 10 finish for Daniel Suarez. Now the next guy I'm going to call out here for a top 10 finish is definitely a super long shot, big time value. So I need you to kind of hold on here with me plus 300 on Barstool to finish in the top 10. And the name is Cole Custer. It's a big swing, I know, but I love this pick here. Uh, if we saw other picks, like if we were able to get like top 15, top 20, I would definitely be all over Cole here. But plus 300, hey, what the hell? You know what I mean? The favorite to win the race is plus 450. So we're getting almost, <laughs> almost the same amount of value for Cole to finish in the top 10. And I think he could do it. Three cup starts at this racetrack. Those finishes were 11th, 10th, and 10th. Back-to-back 10th place finishes here coming in here. In those three starts, that's an average finish of 10.3. Fourth on the circuit in that category for average finishes. He minds his P's and Q's at this racetrack. Keeps the car clean. And he had starting positions of 21st and 30th at two of those races. So he was able, just like we were saying about Suarez a second ago, he's able to work his way through the field. Now, we've got this new race car. And I think when you hear, oh, next-gen car at X track, you're saying in that statement, whoever's bringing that point up, you're trying to say that the guys who have been good here for a while may not have the same edge that they used to because of this new car. Well, I see that as a positive for Cole Custer. I see that as an opportunity for him to put his name in the hat here and and grab a good finish here. Uh, There is a track, you know, Bristol, we saw earlier in the year, normally we're able to kind of compare the two racetracks to each other, but because there was dirt on it, it makes it a little less comparable, not apples to apples, but he got the pole in that race. Like he he was the, the pole sitter. He's been having just flashes of success. You know, he was up in the top five at that terrible, terrible Martinsville race, he had a good you know, starting position. He was able to hold it for a while, and then bad pit road, I think, threw him off his game. Uh, but we've seen some success so far in 2022 from Cole Custer, and he combined that with his past top 10 success at this racetrack. I think that it could be a recipe for decent cash in here, plus 300. 12th in drive rating out of everyone in NASCAR at this track. So it should be a fun bet to follow along with. You know, I, I think that... It's a decent value. 
if you miss, it was a big swing, no big deal, no harm, no foul, that kind of thing. Uh, it's, it is what it is. He has an Xfinity win here as well. I distinctly remember him driving in the truck series years ago where he was leading laps and you know came down to the end of it and I think Kyle Busch stole the race from him in the very end but you know he, something about this racetrack kind of what Suarez same thing with him you know he, he's got something to it so I like Cole Custer in this top 10 plus 300 on Barstool so get that while you can now the last thing I'm going to call out here in the finishing position bets area is a sponsored bet so let's get into it here. Let me tell you a little bit about it, and then we'll get into why this is such a cool idea. So what makes it the best is that it's a listener of the podcast. Fed, our guy Jordan runs a small business called ToolHangers.com. That's hangers with a Z, ToolHangers.com. And they specialize in custom tool hangers for storing and organizing, displaying on pegboard tool walls. So if you picture your, your workbench area, you think of those pegboards behind the, the tool bench. Well, that's what these guys do. That's what Jordan does. And he wants to you know connect with the listeners of this podcast to do something cool. So the way we're going to do this, this was Jordan's idea. Um, he came up with the idea of each week between now and Daytona, the regular season finale, I'm going to find a bet out there. It could be anything, right? But I've got $10 allotted to me, and I'm going to bet the Tool Hangers bet of the week. And if I hit that bet, that money is going to go into a little piggy bank and at Daytona, hopefully, fingers crossed, I can build up a bit of a bank here. And whatever's in that bank stored up at Daytona or after that race, we will give that away to one of the listeners as a gift card towards this website, towards your own custom pegboard. So very cool stuff there. Very creative idea. I really think it's cool. Puts a little bit of pressure on me here. I'm a little nervous. You know, I got to get something going for, uh, for anyone who wants to enter that drawing. But uh, if you wanted to buy something, you go to their website, nice clean cut website here. If you want to go to it and get something before that time, you can go to their site and get 10% off using the promo code full tank. So really appreciate uh, him for reaching out and putting this together. I think this is a cool idea. So going to Dover, I actually considered throwing Cole Custer in as the bet of the week to throw in here towards the, the tool hangers piggy bank here for the gift card. But I wanted to take a step back because that's definitely a, a big swing. You know, I thought, you know, bet that plus 300, that'd be a quick 30 bucks in that gift card pool. Uh, but that is not the way I'm going to play it this week. I'm going to go towards more of a manufacturer bet or a, a team bet. If you can't tell already, I really, really like Hendrick Motorsports. So right now, you can get them at plus 145 to be the race winner. And I really think that that is the way to go in this bet. I'm trying to, like I said, build up this pot a little bit. Between the four of them, they have three wins and 17 top fives in the last nine races. Like, how could you be against a team like that? When you're looking at average finish and driver rating, Hendrick Motorsports is the only team in NASCAR with all of their drivers in the top 10 for both of those stats. So all four of them are in the top 10 for average finish, and all four of them are in the top 10 for driver rating. That's not like anything we've seen here compared to any of these other teams. So I think Hendrick 
I want action on all of their guys. I, I called out three of them. I'm about to call out Alex Bowman in a head-to-head matchup here in a second. I really like them this week. So plus 145, you know, if one of those four guys were to get it done for us, there'd be, you know, 14 bucks and change in the uh, piggy bank there for our Tool Hangers gift card. So I really like this to start it off, and I really appreciate this idea. So um, that's going to be the first ever Tool Hangers Bet of the Week. Hendrick Motorsports plus 145. Give that website a look and give that bet a look for yourself to cash that in on your own sportsbook account, and let's get it going. So just to recap those two top tens, again, Suarez plus 145, Custer plus 300, and Hendrick Motorsports plus 145 for those guys to win the race. Trex Jr. is going to be aggressive. Denny Hamlin out front. Aggressive goes around. So now we will end the picks part of the podcast here with some head-to-head matchups. I've got three of them, and I'm feeling pretty good about all three of these and we'll lay out what the parlay number is if you wanted to do that at the end here. So I teased it with Bowman here a second ago when we were just talking about the Hendrick Motorsports bet. So I'm going to start with that one. He is going up against Ryan Blaney in a head-to-head matchup right now. Blaney is the favorite in this matchup, minus 115. Alex Bowman is minus 105. And so going with the underdog just makes a lot of sense to me. I'm not sure why Blaney is favored. I would think that maybe as this week goes along, that'll change. But let's take a look at Bowman first. Seven starts in his career at Dover. One win, which came last year when we were here. Four top fives and four top tens. His average finish is 11.9. That's good enough for sixth in NASCAR. Driver rating, fifth out of everyone. He's fifth in laps led at Dover. In the last five races, he's one of only five guys to lead over 100 laps in that time period. So the thing about Bowman is his first two races here, I guess when he was figuring it out, they just weren't that great. Got involved with some wrecks, just didn't figure it out. So if you throw those two out as like, okay, there was growing pains situation there. And you just look at his last five races, his average finish jumps from 11.9 to 6.2 really impressive. So we're talking about a guy who has it going on lately at this racetrack. Like we said, he won in 2021 here. I really like Bowman. Now you look at who he's going up against. Ryan Blaney. We typically love Blaney, but not this week. One top 10 in his last 10 races here. His average finish is 20.0. Not what we're used to seeing for Ryan Blaney. Just has not gotten the finishes that we really feel like he should be getting. He's had some decent runs. He's had some high driver ratings race to race, but his highest career finish is eighth in 11 starts. Bowman has four career finishes better than that in seven starts. So that should tell you something right then and there. I don't know what it is with Blaney. I never realized that Dover was maybe uh, something that he never did well at. Again, next-gen car, maybe this year's different, blah, 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 blah. But I'm going to have to go with what I've seen recently here. And, and what I'm seeing is Alex Bowman being a factor in this race. And maybe Blaney's not going to be. Head-to-head in the last five races, Alex Bowman has a 4-1 advantage. Give me the underdog. Give me minus 105 for Alex Bowman in that head-to-head all day and night. Like, I would have to imagine that that line is going to shift at some point. Maybe it'll be around qualifying. Who knows? The next matchup that we have here. I came into this matchup thinking that I was going to go one way, and the 
stats actually changed my mind as I was looking through it. You know what I mean? Like when you have something in your mind that you want the stats to read back to you, and then you realize, wait a second, this is not what I'm going to go with. This is not give me the narrative that I want. You have to adjust in that case and either don't play it or you shift completely. And I'm going to shift completely with this matchup because both of these guys have eerily similar stats. I'm talking about Denny Hamlin, minus 110, versus Joey Logano, minus 110. They are so close to each other, it's like creepy. So Denny Hamlin is basically just a little bit better, just a smidge in all categories. Denny Hamlin has one win, three top fives, six top tens. Compare that to Logano's no wins, two top fives, and five top tens. Just one more in each one of those categories. Hamlin's average finish is slightly better, 11.7 compared to 12.6. Drive rating is a decent amount better, 98 to 88. So again, Hamlin has that in all the stats there. But looking at it a little bit further, all right, so I went in thinking, all right, I, I want Hamlin in this matchup. Let me figure out how I can make that case. But if you look at the last 10 matches head-to-head, the last 10 races between these two, it's a 5-5 split. In the last two races, Logano has a 2-0 lead. The key factor in this matchup right now is 2022. Fading Hamlin, I can remember, I think it was last week, a week ago, maybe it was Talladega, I was on uh, Derek's Twitter Spaces show, the betting preview show every Wednesday night that he has, and someone had said on that show they have been making a season living off of fading Denny Hamlin, and that would give you a ton of success because he has one top 10 all year, and it was his Richmond win. That's it. Logano has a lot of consistency so far this year. He leads everyone in green flag speed throughout the year. So that's the type of consistency that I'm looking for, three top fives, five top tens this season. Logano in 10 races this year is seven and three versus Hamlin. So that to me is what's giving me the edge to go with Logano here. They're so close together with Dover stats. I'm going with the guy who's starting to figure it out or has figured it out better this year. So I'm going with Joey Logano minus 110 in this matchup. I think it makes sense. Like I said, went into it thinking Hamlin, but because it was so close, Thinking about this year with that lens just made sense to rock the 22 in the year 22. So the last one that I'm going to go with here is a matchup of two of the young faces or newer faces in NASCAR. It's Ross Chastain versus Tyler Reddick. Reddick is a slight favorite, minus 115 compared to minus 105. So this new car, it could bring some new faces into play. And if they did, it would probably be these two guys, right? Or, you know, they would be part of that show. The fact of the matter is, I'm fading Ross Chastain this week after a win. If you're looking at Ross in his professional career for Cup and Xfinity, he's got three career victories. His average finish after a victory is 18.0. He finished 19th earlier after his Coda win. Now, to be fair, if you're going back, digging into his truck series stats, they are definitely a little bit more uh, reasonable, you know, for the record. They're a little bit more solid. I think he's more so like within the top 10 finishing uh, after a win in the truck series, but kind of threw that out because he wasn't running every single race. So you take that factor, 
right? You know, maybe a little bit more hungover than normal to start the week. Things are a little bit slower getting going. And then you look at his Dover stats. He has seven starts. Six of them were in trash can on wheels, uh, which is not his own fault, you know. But his highest finish before last season was 28th because he was just driving for, for lower tier cars, the 15 car, I believe it was. Now, last year, he took over the 42 car. He finished 15th, which was positive, right? If you're a Ross fan, that's positive momentum. That's what you want to see. But his driver rating that race was 76.8. That's okay, you know. The thing about Ross is you're going to want to look for qualifying and practice because he generally improves five spots from his qualifying position. So if he's qualifying pretty high or pretty solid, maybe in the top 12, then yeah, that's maybe somebody you want to look for because he's been consistent at improving his position at Dover in his time here, even in the ship boxes. So then you look at his opponent in this matchup, Tyler Reddick. Also a small data set to work off of, but I like what I'm seeing more out of Tyler Reddick. He's got three career starts, a 13th, an 18th, and then last year he finished 8th. His average finish, 13.0, is tied for 10th in the field this weekend. Then you look at his Xfinity Series starts because that is a little bit more recent. Five starts in Xfinity. He's got a second-place finish, a third-place finish. Go back even further. He has a win here in the truck series. So he has seen success here, right? I kind of discounted Ross's success in the truck series, but that was a really long time ago. My point here at Dover is Tyler Reddick has seen good success at Dover, whereas Chastain doesn't know what that looks like here. So it's better overall what I'm looking at for Tyler Reddick. And then this year is green flag speed is actually better than Chastain's overall. Even though you ask somebody point blank, like who's having a better season, Chastain or Reddick? They're going to tell you Chastain. He's got the two dubs. But overall, as far as stats are concerned, I think you can make a case that Reddick is actually having a, a better season. Now, if you're looking at green flag speed, you know my data site is telling me that the race at the Coliseum is actually something worth comparing them to. I don't think that that's necessarily true. I did not incorporate that into my stat gathering this year. But if you wanted to include that, right, Tyler Reddick was unbelievable at the Coliseum. Short track, the, the shortest of the tracks. So yeah, I mean, if that's the case, right, if that actually is worth comparing, watch out. You know, Tyler Reddick showed speed there and would obviously be showing speed here. So this season, Ross has a 6-4 split head-to-head -head in 10 races. But I think that's a little telling, right? Because that's a little closer than you might be thinking. So I like the better success at Dover. This season, they're really a toss-up as far as like who's having the, the statistical better season. So I'm going to go with Tyler Reddick here, minus 115. I like them in that matchup. I think that eight car is just so due. Most people would probably agree with that. So if the next-gen car brings to light some new people, Tyler Reddick could definitely be one of those guys. So to recap here, we're going to look at the three matchups. Alex Bowman, minus 105. Logano over Denny Hamlin, minus 110. And Tyler Reddick, minus 115 over Ross Chastain. If you wanted to group them all up in the podcast parlay, I'll put that out there on Instagram on Sunday morning, plus 596. Pretty good payout. So I'm feeling pretty confident in this parlay and, and these matchups individually. Um, so give that a look. Good value there if you want it.
So we're going to end it this week with a Phil's Fired Up section, and it's something that I've been looking forward to doing. And this is going to kind of be a slow drip throughout the season here where I'm going to be giving my take on sportsbook reviews as it pertains to NASCAR betting specifically. And so I'm looking at different sportsbooks, DraftKings, Barstool, MGM, BetRivers, Sugarhouse. Um, some of those are kind of like combined a little bit into you know the same using the same APIs and whatnot. But FanDuel is the one that we're going to be looking at today. And the reason for that is because as we stand, I would say that FanDuel is at the bottom of the barrel. So I'll start to the bottom, and then as the season goes on, when I get a chance to do one of these, I'll kind of work my way up. So I guess I'll stick with the ones that I use the most. Um, and out of all of these, FanDuel is the bottom. I mean, it really doesn't make sense to me because you look at it, and FanDuel and DraftKings, they were the first to the game. I mean, they had they both had the daily fantasy situation going very strong. And then once states started legalizing gambling all over the place, left and right, they were the first to, to do it. DraftKings and FanDuel, they were neck and neck. So you would think that FanDuel would be a much have themselves in a much better situation. And again, this is just talking about NASCAR. If you're an NBA better or a football better, you might have a different experience with FanDuel. But for me, I do not think that they really give much to the NASCAR community here. Um, so for starters, they do not do a great job of getting the lines out to the gamblers early in the week. They are way behind in that sense compared to the other sports books. So that's a minus in, in that column. Takes a while for them to put that up. Now, it's Wednesday night as I'm recording this, and they had just recently got the lines for the week to win the race. So that's a success, I guess, if you're a, a fan duel better. But that's all you have to bet on at this point. A lot of the other books have a ton more to work off of and play with and have a lot more fun with than just the picks to win the race. And the thing about FanDuel is, that is very frustrating, you are not going to get that really until Sunday. I mean, there was a time where I was trying to use FanDuel a lot more than I am now, and I've kind of just given up because I want those head-to-head -head matchups. I want those finishing position bets to be able to compare and contrast how the odds are. And FanDuel really just is not in that game. They, it's like they neglect this sport. They are missing a market here. And I'd have to imagine that as NASCAR gambling starts to grow more and more and more, they'll have to pay attention to it. But for now, it's very lackluster. So the the strike here that I'm giving them is that the they don't put the lines up soon enough. So even when they do, right? So let's fast forward to race day. Even when it's like put up or shut up, if you're the sports book, what do you have for me? What can I bet on? Even when that's the case, there's still not a lot that they throw your way. There are head-to-head -head matchups and there's maybe about four or five total, whereas other sports books have way more options for head-to-heads, for group bettings. You know, you could get five or six at other sports books, FanDuel will have a lot less than that, two or three. And I don't understand why. Um, now, I know that some of this stuff, as we talk through all of these sports books over the course of this season, I know that some of this stuff varies per state. 
what I can see. But if you were listening to the podcast at all last year, you would remember that I actually got into a, a back and forth with the gambling control board for the state of Pennsylvania, where I live. And the representative that I dealt with over there was like super polite, super helpful, basically said, yeah, the state of Pennsylvania does not restrict any type of gambling on NASCAR that's available. So if you're not seeing something on your sports book, it's on them. It's not on the state. And they said that the sports books a lot of times like to blame the states for that. So I'm looking at you, FanDuel, like there's no reason, at least in the state of Pennsylvania, as to why we shouldn't see a lot more. It's that you don't care, you know, and I'm, I'm talking as if someone from FanDuel is listening to this. I actually know someone who, who started working for FanDuel recently, and, uh, you know, I guess I, I kind of have to let him hear it, you know. NASCAR does not get represented very well. Now, there was a point last year where we were high on FanDuel, and the reason for that, you may remember, is about midway through the season last year, it was right around the New Hampshire time period, wherever that falls on the schedule, they allowed us to parlay top 10 finishes. And I had an absolute blast doing that. Like that became something that I was talking about on the podcast quite often. Like, hey, these are some of the heavy hitters. And if all these guys finish in the top 10, this could be worth your while. They don't do that anymore. They stopped doing it after about, I don't know, five races. And I sent them a message like, hey, why are you not allowing this anymore? This was something that was really fun. How come you stopped doing it? The customer service rep responded basically just saying like, oh, you know, keep your eyes peeled. Maybe it'll come back. But for now, we've taken that down. And now I don't even see options for top 10 finishes at all on FanDuel on race day. Now, maybe, you know, this week I'll pay a little bit more attention, but like I said, the quantity of bet types is very lackluster at FanDuel. So we took something that was awesome and was worth going to FanDuel for, that parlaying in the top tens of any of the guys that you want, and now we don't even get top ten matchups or top ten options for FanDuel. That is frustrating. So when you take that away, something that you used to have then it's going to leave you with a bad taste in your mouth. So that's frustrating. The other thing is, you know, not many allow this, but they do not allow parlaying of head-to-head matchups. When they do have head-to-head matchups up on their site, they do not allow you to parlay that. That's a little bit frustrating as well, knowing that that's a possibility. It's just, you know, overall not great. And then you look at their user interface. I mean, I really don't dig their user interface. Um, they have like cute little graphics for the different sports and uh, the motorsports graphic is just a little helmet that right off the bat kind of gives me a, a bad vibe. So all in all, FanDuel, I, I really think there's room for improvement here. I mean, maybe we give out awards next year. Most improved sports book for NASCAR purposes. FanDuel has a huge ceiling because of the fact that they are not active in the NASCAR gambling world, they could do things a lot sooner. They could give a lot more options as far as bet types, and they could allow you to do more with those bet types, such as parlaying and other things. So that's my review. If I'm doing it out of 10, 10 stars or whatever, I'm going to give it maybe a four. But like I said, I'm holding out hope that they come around to it and change the game because now 
there's something to watch for. There's something for them to shoot for. There's that rabbit out there that they can chase. if They want to try to capture more NASCAR gamblers out there. And the other thing is, if you are someone out there who uses FanDuel as your primary NASCAR gambling experience, please let me know. Like, let me know if I'm missing the mark on something. Let me know if I'm not seeing something that I could be taking advantage of because I would love to use it. I have an account. I've got a, a bucket of money in there that I'd love to throw around for NASCAR. I just don't see it. So my ears are open if you're someone who uses FanDuel all the time. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the Full Tank with Phil podcast. Thank you for listening. Go out there and hit some good money for Dover because next week we've got a special guest, May Hemily on Twitter. She is a horse racing expert. We are going to talk Darlington to start the podcast and then end with some serious Kentucky Derby talk because the Derby is next weekend. So we're bringing in a horse expert to talk with us about that. So I am very much looking forward to that. So cash your tickets for Dover so we have a lot more to spend next weekend. Remember, drive fast, take chances, and we'll see you next time. Have no place to go. Have no place to go.